This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Vinka Yurkovic is an author, international speaker, workshop leader, and coach. As president of Finca Communications, Inc., she consults with clients in areas of personal branding, leadership, sales, client experience, and employee engagement. Finca helps service-based professionals and entrepreneurs who doubt their value and struggle to sell their services, get clients, and grow their business with authenticity, confidence, and integrity intact. Finca, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mark, for having me. Excited to be here with you. Thank you. And I love your name. What is the origin of that? Uh, It is a Croatian name. So I am a first-generation Canadian, but my parents uh, immigrated from Croatia back in the 70s. So, yeah. Well, you- and you know, funny story, funny story. As a kid, because the name was so different, and you know what happens when we have differences, there's this part of us that we like, it's called, I think the, the new term I've been hearing is we cover, we cover our differences so they don't stand out. Meanwhile, what we know when we're branding and selling, how important it is to actually stand out. So when I was a little kid, I actually in, it was grade one and we were heading to school and my mom looks over at me and she says, you know, Finca, your name is so different. Do you want to be called something else? And in that moment, I chose what was different and distinct about me and I decided to cover it. And I said, all right, let's call me Josie. And that's how I headed into school. And it was a lifelong lesson, continue to learn uh, over time and Later in the years, when I realized differences matter and they are what make us unique, they are the thing that helps us serve and add value. And we should really bring those out and use them to our advantage. Um, I went back and claimed my name back. (laughs) Well, I was going to tell you is I've interviewed like 550 people on the show. And of course, if I have a mic, a John, a Sally, I got a hyphen in their last name because I've already had one. I've never had a Finca. So you won't have to have your last name on the uh, the slug on my blog post because you're the first Finca and you'll probably be the only Finca, which I think is really <laughs> cool. You know, it's interesting with a name like Struchewski, my daughter, uh, my, her mom and I are divorced. And so her last name, my ex-wife's name is Smith. Well, one day, my daughter, when she's much younger, she's 23 now, she decided to go under the name of Hannah Smith in school. And she came out of school, went on the bus, and they said, Hannah Smith. Well, there's another Hannah Smith in school. She got on the wrong bus. Now she only goes by Hannah Struchowski because there's only one Hannah Struchowski in the world. So there you go. <laughs> so there you go. Having there you go. Differences is, count. <laughs> they do. I love that. Differences count. Okay. Well, I just read your bio and you do a lot. So what I want to do, because one of the things people love about the show, including my guests, is they get to talk about things they don't always get to talk about. For example, whenever I'm on a show, it's how do I deal with email? How do I deal with social media? How do I become more productive? And so I always give the guest an opportunity to, what is on your heart here on June 23rd, 2021, two days after I celebrated my 56th birthday. Um, What is on your heart? What do you want to share with my audience today? Well, first, happy birthday, belated two days. Uh, Amazing that you made it to 56. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, You know, I think the most important thing, the thing that's top of mind for me today is how do we continue to show up in a posture of 
love instead of fear when it comes to how we promote, how we sell, and how we lead in our businesses. And so I wrote a book called Sell From Love. And for me, you know, the work that I do with my clients is really focused on when we are putting ourselves out there, when we're putting our ideas, our thought leadership, uh, there's a part of our brain that is, you know, really afraid of putting out what might be again different that others might say that's wrong. I don't agree or it's up for judgment. And all of a sudden we pull back. Um, especially in our, in our, when, when we're presencing our personal brand or even when we're selling our services, all of a sudden, you know, it's like we, we put ourselves out there and that fear of rejection holds us back. And so what I endeavor to continue to be very curious about and continue to want to learn more about is how do we circumvent? So some days we can circumvent fear. It won't be there, but there's other days when it is there, but how do you continue to show up? push through the fear, navigate through it in some way, and still get to the outcomes and results that you are seeking for yourself and you for your business, but also for your clients, and that we don't let fear derail us. That is so powerful because I can't help wondering, as we're sitting here having this conversation, how many people are were headed, I should say, for greatness, yet they allowed fear to stop them in their tracks, and as a result, they're settling. They're not stepping into their greatness. They go, well, what if people don't like me? Look at a lot of people are not going to like you. A matter of fact, on LinkedIn, just a couple of days ago, I saw Adam Grant. I love Adam Grant, one of my favorite authors. He posted something that says, stop trying to get everyone to like you. You don't even like everyone. And I, I, I love that so much. I share with a bunch of people in my contacts and it's true. We are either trying to get everyone to like us or we are operating out of fear. And as a result, we're not being who we were truly created to be. Absolutely. And you, you think of even like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like the baseline is we are looking for a sense of security and safety. And the second one is that sense of belonging, that we're connected. So you can see, understand why we want to be like, because if you like me, I belong. If you agree with me and don't judge me, I belong and I feel safe and secure. Now, what happens is, you know, when fear is in the arena with us or in the room with us, all of a sudden, all we're striving for is the, the idea of belonging. And we will contort, manipulate, do whatever we have to do to fit in. And that's when you know, and even shut off parts of ourselves, because you might stand out and, you know, oh, geez, like if you stand out, what, what might happen then? Um, and we start downplaying and dismissing ourselves. One of the biggest things that I've found where we are, um, especially where I think it's the most important where we start, but also where we are, I'm going to say covering most of ourselves is in really owning our brilliance, owning our, I call it your brilliant difference. It's the thing that makes you unique. It's the thing that's here to help you navigate the world, add value and make that difference that you're seeking to make. What often happens is this thing that makes us so wonderful and that is here to shine a light in the darkness when, you know, people are lost and they need to be found is we dismiss, we devalue, or we deny that. We say it's no big deal. It's just something that comes so easily and naturally to you. It can't be such a big deal. 
Or even when you think of when you get a compliment or someone says, thank you for helping me out with that. Ah, it was no big deal. No, it was a big deal. Like we got to own and really just like step into embracing and loving that part of ourselves that actually was a big deal. And, um, you know, I, I, I just, I continue one, I'm going to say personally continue to develop in this area, but the work that I do with individuals and in teams and organizations, you know, last week I was doing a workshop with the team and we were talking about their brilliant difference. And these were seasoned, I mean, seasoned professionals, you know, approaching when they're, you know, transitioning from work to, you know, their next lifestyle, um, closer to that retirement stage. And they're still struggling. They're like, I have yet to own my brilliance. And for me, that was just like, wow, you know, we are so quick to judge ourselves so quick to, um, focus on what's wrong and broken about us versus what's right and what's meant to serve and what's meant to shine. And I think that's the first place. So when we think about fear and love and looking at that construct, when you're afraid to own your gifts, um, that's a telltale sign. We've there's some work to do, and getting to the other end of the perspective, just really loving who you are, meaning loving everything you are and loving what you're not, because you're not going to be everything. And I think when we can get to that point, all of a sudden we can show up in this really natural, confident place for in our businesses and for our clients. You got Facebook. Well, I am on Facebook. I have a Facebook page and I have a Facebook group, both under the name of Mr. Productivity. So if you are into Facebook, if you love Facebook, go look me up on Facebook. Just look for Mr. Productivity. Man, that is that is pure gold, what you just said. And as you were talking, I was thinking about when I was about halfway to where I am now, I think I'm at 865 or eight episodes. I've lost track, to be honest with you. I decided if I really want to be a professional, true blue podcaster, I had to clean up my alleged flaws. In other words, I tend to talk too fast. I will swallow my words. I'll interrupt myself. And so I decided to create an episode on this and I released it. And I got a lot of communications from from my listeners that said, don't you dare become a polished podcaster because one of the things we love about you is that you're you. You're not trying to speak professorial and every word is properly enunciated. We love that you swallow your words. We love that you will interrupt yourself. It's part of your charm. And I'm like, isn't that fascinating? I thought that was so fascinating because they didn't want me to be someone I'm not. So I think that goes a little bit well along with you, what you just said. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to first say one, uh, congratulations on making it to 860 something episodes. That is huge. Like to be that committed and invested in an initiative, like running a, sh- a podcast show, like that is huge. So I'm going to say like, I mean, I'm giving you like high tens over here. Um, <laughs> Um, that because it, it's, it's hard to do the work that you're doing because often what happens is we, we come up with this great idea. I'm going to start a podcast or I'm going to write a white paper or I'm going to launch a new product or service. And then the excitement of that, you know, the sizzle starts to fizzle, right? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and, and so it's commendable. And I think what people are gravitating also to is the fact that you're just like, them. You're just like us. And, and so it's like, well, if Mark can do it and Mark doesn't have 
all the, the professional lingo, the, all the, you know, what we would deem to be like, if you're going to make it in the podcast world to have it this way, then that means I could do it too. And I think that's the inspiration point that each and every one of us, when we embrace who we are, meaning you own that brilliance and you use it to get out there and make a difference and, you know, navigate through the doubt and the fears and you got to overcome that stuff. You, you know, sometimes just go, just it's there, but you keep moving. You don't stop. You keep moving. Mm-hmm. It's not only for you because Mark, if you didn't do all of these episodes, if you didn't share your wisdom and bring the wisdom, collective wisdom of all of your guests, the audience that's listening to this wouldn't have the inspiration, the motivation, or even an idea of, oh, if he could do it and he's not, he's swallowing words, he's figuring this out, going along with it but he's still showing up in his unique value and I'm getting a ton of value. That means that, you know, they can do it or I can do it too. So I think it's super important for us to show up as authentically as, as possible because it's not only for you. Uh, there are people that are one or two steps or even 15 steps behind you seeking to find a point of, you know, they need a, like a North star, like something or someone to follow and aspire to. And if you can be a mo- a role model for that, then, you know, we shortchange, we shortchange others and ourselves because we don't show up because we're too afraid. I love that. And another thing I learned from my listeners is I was thinking it was time for me to go out and get A-list people like Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, and Oprah. And again, my listeners reached out and said, um, I can't relate to a Mark Cuban, but I can relate to a Finca. And again, I thought that was very fascinating. They go, yeah, I don't want someone who's like Elon Musk, who's trying to colonize Mars. How can I, an entrepreneur, I can't relate to that, but I can relate to someone like you or Finka, Finka, I'm sorry, because you are in the battle like I am. And so I thought it was really interesting. And that's why I listen to my audience. I'm not looking for A-list people because I want guests like you who my audience resonates with because then they can learn from them. Yeah. And I think this is the the other problem. What happened, and I know this was especially for me early in my business journey, uh, you know, when I started eight, we're almost on eight years now, you know, when you're comparing or you're looking at someone who's already got to the end state of where you're going, it's very hard. So, you know, you look at the Oprah's or the Mark Cuban's or the Elon Musk's, you look at those, they're, they are still definitely growing and moving, but they are so far from my starting point (laughs) (laughs) that it is, it's great to say, yeah, that's wonderful. And thanks for your learning and your insights and, you know, where you are going. Cause you, 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 you know, you kind of break thresholds of what's possible Wonderful, but I'm here and I got to deal with what I got to do next, not what's the possible for me, you know, five or 10 years, or maybe it might not even happen in my lifetime. And I need to also be okay with that. And so I think having people that I too, the same thing, you know, in on my podcast, the same idea is regular people, real people telling real stories because those are the ones that we can relate to. And, uh, I'm going to say another thing for you. So when we, when I, when I talk about selling from love, the first principle is to love yourself. The second is to love your client. And so I'm going to, I'm going to use you as an example because I think you're, you've just one shared, uh, how you do it because I think it's super important that oftentimes when we're thinking about how we're going to help our clients and customers, we're thinking it from our perspective. You know, oh, I can come up with this. I can serve them this way. I can, they have this challenge. I can do this, or I can bring in these partners and we're dreaming up all these wonderful things. And 
you know, if we just stop for a moment and do what Mark did, listen to what his listeners are telling him, you know, we want more of this. Like you might have a brilliant idea. Great. Go check it out with your clients and customers. Do they think it's as brilliant as you do? <laughs> you know, so Mark might have said, you know, I think it's great if I can get the, the, the experts and the people that have made it. But if that's not what your audience and your clients and your listeners are looks, looking to connect with, then you would have missed the mark. No pun intended, Mark. Um, <laughs> I've been doing that a lot lately. But, you know, so this is what you do. You you went and we have to actually, you know, there's that place of one, I'm going to use you as an example. You, you loved your quirks and your, and your follies and you said, I'm going to show up authentically, even though I'm not going to do this right and perfectly all the way through. And the second piece is loving your client that much that you actually listen to what they said they wanted and actually deliver on that. And so I think that's a super, another important place one, you're a perfect example, which, you know, didn't, it just serendipitously worked out that way. But when we're looking to position ourselves and help and serve others and, you know, kind of come from that posture of, you know, how do you eliminate as much fear, but come from a place of love? Those are the two things I'm going to say you are doing really well, really well. Well, thank you for puffing me up on my own show. I really appreciate it. I'll send you a check <laughs> in the mail. Um, I want to ask you about a book that I'm finishing reading that really has changed the way I look at serving my customers. It's called Blue Ocean Strategy. Have you ever read it? Yes. Okay. So I'm at the end of the book where it's telling like the traps. And one of the traps they talk about is when, if you're not familiar with the Blue Ocean Strategy is, there's red oceans and blue oceans, red oceans where everyone else is in there. They're all chewing each other up, beating each other up, a lot of blood. And then you want to create something to go in the blue ocean so there's no competition. Well, they said one of the problems is, is people think that in order to go from a red ocean to a blue ocean, you go to your current customers. What you really should do is go to the people who are not your customers and go, I'd like to know why you are not my customer. When I read that, I'm like, again, I'm going to use the F word again. Fascinating. I love that word. I was so fascinated by that question. Like, yeah, we should. How many people? whether you're listening to this conversation or you know you read it in the blog or something, how many people actually go to their non-customers and ask them why they're not customers? I never thought about that. I'm always going to my current customers and asking them, but they're already customers. They're obviously happy. Why, if I want to grow, I need to go ask, why. what about me don't you like? And I may not be able to do anything about it, but I think we need to ask people, find them and ask why they're not customers. What do you think about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's important to one, you know, understand, you know, you know, you have these customers, they said yes, but the ones that didn't, there's a reason they've not chosen you yet. <laughs> um, but it's also understanding, you know, where are they in the, in, in their, in their journey and how you can serve them because the current customer, you're meeting them at a certain moment and a certain point. Yeah. And, and so that moment that you're meeting them at may not be the same moment or point that the other customers that aren't actually working with you at this point. And so those other customers might be two steps behind, or they actually might be two steps forward somewhere in, in that, you know, client experience journey that you're serving them. And so, and, you know, it also helps you expand what you are looking to offer is understanding you know, for these customers that have chosen not to work with you, what was missing in your offer? What was missing in your experience? It might've even been what was missing in how you were connecting and communicating with them. 
And they could also be located in different networks. So the current customers could be geographically located. And all of a sudden, these non-customers are saying, yeah, I'd love to work with you. However, I'm in the next state over. Or I wish your products and services were available online. Um, and so there's all these other things that we start to discover and learn about them. And then again, as a business owner and entrepreneur, you get to choose, is that the market and place you want to play in? And making sure that, you know, if you're going to go and say, I'm going to create a blue ocean in this environment, um, that's the choice that you're making to, to move forward from there. I get it. You want productivity tips, but your email inbox is, well, out of control. When you follow Mr. Productivity on Telegram Messenger, you'll receive daily bite-sized productivity tips delivered to your phone or desktop for free. Let me help you become more productive, step-by-step, day-by-day. Follow Mr. Productivity on Telegram today. One of the mistakes I made is I created this membership program and I violated one of my key tenets. That is complexity is a gateway to procrastination. So I thought I was serving my customers. I didn't ask them. I started adding all these gizmos and a couple of my customers said, uh, I don't get it. I mean, I, I understand this big part, but what are all these extra parts? And, and I, I, I took a step back and I, I humbled myself and like, Hmm, this is adding complexity because they didn't understand how the pieces fit together. Once I removed those pieces, all of a sudden, Oh, now we get it again. And so I think, cause you already alluded to this on the show already. Sometimes we think we're serving, but the customer's happy and we add more stuff and they get confused. And a lot of times customers won't tell you why they're leaving. I mean, we send the surveys and we ask them, but they just leave because if they feel overwhelmed, if they feel uh, confused, they're like, I don't get it. And they're just going to cancel their membership and leave. And I think it's really important not to let it get to that point as best you can. And if you start getting some resistance, don't go, wow, it's a learning curve Just say, okay, am I confusing you? Because it turns out the two of my clients that left, they did get on the phone with me and they did tell me why. And I'm like, wow, it was mind blowing to me. I'm like, oh, wow, I thought I was doing something good. But again, I violated my key tenant. I didn't ask them if they would like these new features and then create them. I create them and go, here you go. And they're like, uh, what now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's also, you know, important when we're thinking about our customers and asking them that they are, they're, they're one, you know, they may not even realize that they are confused or overwhelmed. So you can go back and you can do this, the, you know, the, the exit survey to ask them, why are you leaving or why aren't you, you know, why isn't the relationship continuing? And they're like, it might just not meet their needs. They might not even equate it to that. We've confused them. We've overwhelmed them that we've added too much. Right. And I think it's important also to, to really also ask ourselves when we're coming from that place of adding more. So sometimes, and oftentimes what I find in my work is we will add more when fear is in the room with us. So if we are afraid, we're not meeting their needs, we're not adding enough value that they might leave uh, and that they're not content, all of a sudden we start like, let me add this feature, let me add this service to compensate because fear is in the room with us. That That is Awesome. I listen, I hope you didn't miss what she just said. Cause I think that's what I was doing is I was operating out of fear instead of operating at love. And your whole book is sell what sell with sell <laughs> from love, right? I can sell see it. From love. I can see it in the back on the bookshelf behind you. Um, and we need to operate out of love. And once I got that, 
I mean, I, I think the angels started singing, the sun came out because everybody is not for me. Everyone's not for you. And maybe they don't like bald guys. Maybe they don't like women. I don't know. But we can't. We, I stopped. The coach I'm working right now finally got me to stop chasing people down like um, what those ambulance called uh, ambulance chase, uh, lawyers. You know, they, they, they're at the hospital. They're always chasing down the ambulances. My, my coach says to me, do you, how appealing do you think it would be to a coach, to a, a prospective client? If you chase them down and you're out of breath and you're all sweating, your ties are awry and, and you're, do you think that's appealing? And she goes, don't chase if the right people will find you. And you know what? She's right. Because now the right people are finding me because I'm not begging them like a, a dog who's been running outside in the hundred degree heat here in Houston. I'm like, Oh, you, you, you found me. How can I serve you instead of chasing him down? And I, I think when you first be in the business, you're an entrepreneur, whatever the case may be, you're so desperate for business. You're just like trying to chase people down. And now that I think about it, it's pretty off, off putting to me. Yeah, absolutely. And that chasing energy is actually your what we'll what you notice is instead of aligning to who you are and the value you bring and how you can serve them through your products and services, you're trying to figure out, okay, how do I help this person? Okay, let me customize and let me figure out what they need from me and I'll only show part of myself and only give them part of it. And then we go to the next person, the next person. And all of a sudden, like we're we're slicing and dicing ourselves because we're trying to meet these compartmentalized uh, clients, like where they needed this portion that versus you stand and you show what you do, you demonstrate your value, you let people know how to, how to work with you and what you do and the transformations they will get as a result. And when you're that clear and simple, they they end up becoming your clients yeah. because they're like, oh, I know you, I see you, I want some of that. And I need that outcome. And I know Mark is going to give it to me. I think you said it already. The word stability, when a customer is coming to you and they're willing to fork over their hard earned money, they want to make sure you're not like a, a rowboat out in the Atlantic, you know, tossing to and fro. They want to make sure you're a big cruise ship anchored because they're trusting you not only with their money, they're trusting you to tell, take them on the journey so they can become better. And I think it's, I see this a lot in new entrepreneurs and new business owners, but people crave stability. They want to be sold from love, but they also want stability. Absolutely. Because not only are we, you know, as business owners, entrepreneurs and sellers of our services, right? Products and services we are, and that there might, there's that notion of fear will show up and will you know, stop us in our tracks. Not only are we experiencing it, so are our customers and clients. They are living in a world that, you know, is flooding them with fear, uncertainty, doubt. And all of a sudden, if you could be the person that makes them feel safe and secure, this term called psychological safety, if you could be the person that makes them feel grounded and anchored, who do you think they're going to trust their business with? Who do you think they're going to refer and recommend when they're in those circles of, you know, in their living rooms or in their boardrooms or on their Zoom calls? They're going to recommend you because you're the one that gives them the experience of feeling safe and secure. You know, recently Salesforce did a study and what they said was, you know, in the last, you know, 18 months of what we've been going through, 82% of customers are saying that trustworthiness of a company matters more today than it ever did. Wow. 
right? And so we need to, and so if you could be coming from a place of more love and less fear, that's already you're creating safety for your client because you are not chasing, you are not hurrying them, you are not rushing them, and you are not pressuring them. You're making them feel safe to have a intelligent and emotional conversation with you, helping them articulate and process what the heck they want and what they think and what's going on inside of their minds and inside of their hearts. If you're that person they get to have that conversation with, imagine who they're going to say yes to, to doing work with. And of course, the truth is, if you don't know this, when a customer or a prospect feels fearful, they will say no. They will not give in the yes because it's natural to go, I'm scared. I'm not going to go in the darkened basement, okay, because I'm scared. Exactly. That's what your client's going through. Well, you gave us a lot to think about in the show, Finca. Thank you so much. Where can people go to find out more about you and what you're doing in the world? Awesome. Thanks, Mark. Uh, so you could visit sellfromlove.com and you can find everything about uh, Sell From Love. You can find the book on Amazon. So Sell From Love uh, on Amazon. You can also, we've got a podcast. So check out the Sell From Love podcast. And if you're interested in learning more about, you know, whether you're selling from fear or whether you're selling from love, on the site, you can access an assessment that helps you understand whether you're on the fear spectrum or the love spectrum and gives you an action plan on what you need to do to get more confidence and get more clients and grow your business. Wow. Well, I learned a lot during this episode. So I want to thank you for your time and I want to thank you for sharing your insights with us today. Thank you, Mark, for having me. And uh, it was great to be here. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski Podcast. I really hope it served you well today. Now head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com. Sign up to be a free Mark Stuchowski Insider. Get my top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs. Absolutely free. It's my gift to you. And until tomorrow, my friend, go be productive.